The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to and, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is wrapped in sinful, uh, he is self-condemned. When I send Artemis or Titius to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zeneas, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. Let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so, that, so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. All who are with me and send greetings to you, greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. May I pray for us um, as we prepare for Randall to come forward and deliver today's message. If you join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this amazing day that you've laid in front of us. We had many ways to begin it, and we all chose to be together in fellowship and to learn more about your word. I pray that you keep our ears open to the words that uh, Randall will share and that you stand in the gap from what we cannot do as humans in your message that is clear for us all as your children. We lift up Randall as he delivers this message Father, we love you so much, and in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks, Bella. Appreciate it. Morning. Um, so we're in this series, Crafted by God, and really the reason why Titus um, has this letter written to him by the Apostle Paul is because it's a new church plan, and he wants to be clear about what biblical faith looks like, right? And so we're in this text, Titus 3, 8 through 15. We're wrapping up this message. And the message is this, crafted by gospel mission. Crafted by gospel mission. So we've been talking about gospel uh, throughout. Uh, We see it all through this uh, letter, uh, talking about what is the good news of Jesus, what has Jesus done? What is, what is the difference between Christianity and every other religion in the world? Um, and so this morning, if you weren't able to make it, uh, but you want to listen, I think we've got it recorded. I talked through just basic beliefs uh, of what we believe as Christians. Um, and, and so as we talk about membership, we want to equip you uh, with the good news of Jesus. We want to equip you with what the, the word of God says. Um, and so today we're talking about this mission that God has given all of us, right? As believers, God has given us a mission. God has given us a purpose. And so um, if you were walking by a table and you saw this book entitled 
the person who God uses, what would pop into your mind about that book? Would you think that that book could be for you? You know, for some of us, that the, the thought might be, well, that's for maybe pastors or missionaries or church planters or elders or something. That's what that has to be about. That's what that book has to be about. But I, I want to challenge that today because as we might be thinking that, God in his word says differently. See, God intends that to describe all of us as believers. The man or woman in which God uses for his glory. See, it's not just preachers and missionaries and church planters and those type of people that God uses for his glory, but Jesus has given all Christians a gospel mission for life. Colossians 3, 23 through 24 says this, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. This past week, I woke up to the news of Billy Graham passing away this past week. I was a preacher of the gospel, 99 years old, and uh, I thought about the impact that Billy Graham had on just humanity in general. And it was huge, right? Like you look at all of the pictures, um, you see the video of stadiums packed with people as he declares unashamedly the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in one of the interviews, about Billy Graham's life uh, was an interview with Kathy Lee Gifford. And she was on the news and uh, they were just asking her, it was Megan Kelly asking her, she said, okay, like, what was he like? What was he about? And she said that Billy was about Jesus. When it summed it up, she's like, he was about Jesus. And then the reporter asked her, she said, well, what's it gonna take to, to get another Billy Graham? Who's the next Billy Graham? And Kathy Lee looks back at her and says, it's not about being the next Billy Graham. She said, the, the simple message of the gospel, the message of Jesus and his love for humanity, that he died on the cross for our sins is not just for preachers. She said, it could be the plumber. It could be the person down the street. She says, God has his people everywhere. God has his people everywhere. See, the mes message of the gospel is placed into the hands of everyday people do you believe that God could work through you in this way? In the book of Acts, Acts 13, 36, there's this short little phrase that I think can be helpful for us today. It's talking about the life of David because we think of David and, and you think, man, that's like Billy Graham's dad, like David up there. But here's a description of David's life. It says, now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. That's it. David served God's purposes 
in his own generation, fell asleep, was buried with his ancestors, and his body decayed. What a mission statement for life, right? It reminds me of the quote from Nicholas Zinzendorf. Yes, Zinzendorf, he's awesome. He lived from 1700 to 1760. Here's what he says. Preach the gospel, die and be forgotten. Again, mission statement for life. But culturally, do you know what people's biggest fear has been throughout the centuries? That they would die and be forgotten. See, philosophers like Kierkegaard and Camus and modern businessmen like Steve Jobs have had to come to terms with the fact that if there is nothing beyond this world, they've argued it, they've searched that nothing we do ultimately matters. You say, well, well, well I'm, 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 a, I'm a world changer. I'm gonna change the world. But here's the thing. If the world changes, maybe it changes for a little bit, but then it's gonna go and change in a different way once you leave. See, that's why the book of Ecclesiastes is so insightful because he says, if we think that this world is all there is and we live just for this world, it's meaningless. But as Christians, we believe that what we do today in Christ ripples into eternity. It matters forever. And so our text today is Titus 3, 8 through 15. And just to give some background, okay, and so we're looking through this text. Paul and Titus had preached together in Crete. People had been saved by hearing the message of the gospel. And Paul left Titus to help this new church plant. So it's a, it's a church plant forming. And, and here's what, what it is. Paul wraps up this letter to Titus by encouraging him and the people in this church that the gospel mission that God has given is for every member of that church, every person. And so the question is, how does God craft all of us for gospel mission? Well, as we break down this text, he does this in three ways. So I'm gonna give you all three up front. The first one is this, healthy focus, devoted community, God's strength. Healthy focus, devoted community, God's strength. And so number one, healthy focus. Look at verses eight through 11. It says, the saying is trustworthy and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up d- division after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. And so we can break down this healthy focus that the Apostle Paul is talking about in two ways. And so here's the first one. The first one is we find that a healthy focus starts with insisting, insisting. Okay, so look at verse eight. He says, insist on these things. Now the word for insist that he uses here can also be translated affirm constantly. Okay, so we gotta ask, well, what are these things? He's encouraging us to affirm constantly. 
He broke it down for us in verses four through seven that we talked about last week. He already broke this down for us. And so here's what it is. In verses four through seven, he talks about the kindness of God. He talks about the appearing of Jesus. He talks about the spiritual rebirth by the power of the Holy Spirit. He talks about justification by grace, that your life, my life is justified, not by me proving why I should be here and my existence matters. It's because Jesus says, I look at you and your life matters. I'm justified by God. God justifies my existence. It's not because I've earned it, but it's purely a gift and the hope of eternal life. That again, this world is not all there is. See, Paul is insisting for the church in Crete to rehearse again and again the gospel. The gospel, like what is the healthy focus? Is you go back through this, you say this is all about God. It's the message he's given us. Tim Chester says this, he says, it is the gospel which is excellent and profitable for everyone. The Father's mercy on us, the Son's work for us, and the Spirit's presence in us. Stressing the gospel things to our own hearts and to our church family is what we and they need most. And the result will be insisting on the gospel is that these things are excellent and profitable for people. See, how will the church, God's church, grow in a healthy way when it has a healthy focus on the gospel? And so that's the starting place, okay? And so he's like, insist on these things, talk about these things all the time. And that's why we say as a church, we are a gospel-centered church. You're gonna hear about Jesus every week. Second, we find that a healthy focus happens when we avoid, okay? He says, look, so avoid certain things. He says this in verse nine, look at this. He says, avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, Corals about the law. Now, Paul here is warning that many times churches get off track and get away from the gospel and start to focus on controversies. And so here's what that looks like. There are churches, this is reality, that will argue about what color the carpet should be. That whether or not it's okay for somebody to come to church with jeans on. What song do I like? What things do I want to hear and not want to hear? And what happens is that when a church gets sidetracked by self-focused controversies, he says it's unprofitable and worthless. Unprofitable and worthless. And so this should be like, as we read the word of God, this should be a heart check for us, right? Right? We say, what are the problems that we have with the church? Because there are always gonna be things that come up. And there, there are good reasons why. But he's saying that here's the right reasons. The right reasons that we should get upset is when there's gospel issues. When the gospel's not proclaimed, when the gospel's not preached, when the gospel is not the focus. See, because Paul digs down to the root of unhealthy conflict. 
And what he says is that they have to do a lot with self. Self. He says that those who promote divisions are self-condemned. And it sounds harsh because it is. See, ultimately, he says that people who are ready to divide their deepest issue is that they don't want people to come together around the gospel. But what they really want is to get their way. I want my way. And what we find is that even that that's the consequences of sin, isn't it? Like whenever we go into a relationship and it's all about us, it's about me, 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 me. What happens is that relationship gets sideways. It, it gets toxic, right? And so Paul is pointing out something that is a reality for the church too, just like in relationships. See, in verse 11, he gives instructions on how to handle that through loving warnings. It's like, hey, this isn't a good path. This isn't a good way. Get your focus back on the thing that really matters. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this. He says, nothing can be more cruel than the leniency which abandons others to their sin. Nothing can be more compassionate than the severe reprimand which calls another Christian in one's community back from the path of sin. Right? Sin is a reality. And that's when we talk about the church, when we talk about being together, following Christ. We need one another to help one another to grow in our relationship with Jesus. See, in many ways, our culture doesn't get this because we value the individual more than the community. And we don't want to offend people. But confronting sin is a sign that God loves the church so deeply that he won't let sin hurt others and hijack the mission that God's given. See, Paul is saying, through our unity, we display the work of God in the world. And as Tim Chester says, this is what is at stake. The purposes of God, the work of the cross, the success of mission. This is a church that is focused on what really matters most. See, this passage in Matthew 18, 15 through 17, help us to approach like relationships and, and how sin can just kind of take us in a toxic direction, sideways direction. It helps us to approach it in a healthy way. But in God's church, there's a real warning to those who are abusing people, who are maligning the word of God, distracting people from the mission of God. Right, this is a reality. And so, Paul is encouraging a healthy focus on the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's saying, that's what we need. That's what the world needs. Oz Guinness said this, and I think this is super helpful for us. He says, the closer we all are to Jesus, the less significant the labels that divided us. We therefore face a common challenge as followers of Jesus in the advanced modern world. It is, I believe, that we trust in God and his gospel and move out confidently into the world, living for a new Christian renaissance. And thus, challenge the darkness with the hope of Christian faith, believing in an outcome that lies beyond the horizon of all we can see and accomplish today. See, this is a beautiful vision of saying, hey, there are people out there that have never heard the message of Christ. But a lot of the times there are churches that are just infighting and it's all about us. And what he's saying is, no, that's not what this is about. It's about being a church for others and loving them as Jesus has loved us. Secondly, um, it's a devoted community. 
And so you can find this in verses 12 through 14. He says, when I sent Artemis and Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis for I've decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing and let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. And so what are signs, the the signs of a devoted community of believers? Verse 12 and 13 says that they come from all walks of life. Now we don't know specifically about Artemis and Tychicus about what they particularly do in their work life, but we do hear about Zenos the lawyer. And so we find that he's not a, a pastor or church planter or any of these things, but he's, he's a lawyer. And then we find his name next to Apollos, who is a preacher and pastor. And what that says is, is that, that they're on the same level Right? It's not like pastors are up here, church planters, missionaries are up here, and then everybody else is down here. But what it's saying is that even that Zenos would be mentioned before Apollos. That they're co-laborers in the same mission. See, this isn't a hierarchy like that. But this is people linking arms together saying, we come from all walks of life, but we have that same mission that Jesus has given us. Also, I think really interesting is this, that there's no infighting between them because you know what happened in 1 Corinthians? They tried to take Apollos, the same Apollos, and put him against Paul. and say, hey, we like Apollos better than Paul. And so they tried to put them against each other. And, and, and what Paul says is, no, you don't get it. He says, Paul, I'm a servant of Christ. Apollos, he's a servant of Christ. And what we do matters in how God moves and how God grows things. And so the church only grows because of God. Things only happen because of God. He says, we're just servants of God. And so there, there wasn't this competitiveness that was happening between them, but they came from all walks of life and they served one another. That's the next thing that we learn is verses 12 through 14 is they served one another that Paul could say to, to Artemis and Tychicus that we, we need you to come. And that he could send people that way. See, what they were doing is they grew in their love and service to one another. This is a deep devotedness to one another. This is, here's the thing about the Christian life. It's not a one-person show. And here's the thing about the mission of Jesus. It's going to take everyone, men, women, children, everyone. See, God has made it so that we are crafted by him in a devoted community. Christian community should be a shining example in a world that lacks long-lasting sacrificial relationship. You know, when I first moved to San Diego, one of the things that people told me specifically about our area in UTC here is they said this, that the city is built for privacy and efficiency, that people struggle with loneliness and isolation from others, that it's a transient part of the city and so you really don't wanna go there. But God in his grace knows better. What he does is he forges a community of people together in a way that people could not understand 
It wouldn't make sense. Because what he's calling us here to do is this, to invest our lives into something. Here's the truth. We all have seasons of life. We all do. And some people can say, just like it says in the, the book of James, that, um, you know, I'm gonna go here and I'm gonna be here for a certain amount of time and then I'm gonna go there and that's what my life is. But the book of James says that our life is like a mist. We've only got a short amount of time. I'm sure as Billy Graham looks back at his life, he would say, that went fast. He was 99 years old. You see, our lives are like a mist. And so a devoted community doesn't wait on the sidelines, but says, I'm going to invest now for however long I have. Jim Elliott, the famous missionary, once said, wherever you are, be all there, live to the hilt, every situation you believe to be the will of God. Do you believe that God wants to work through you right where you're at right now? Even in those mundane moments? Because that's what we find as this devoted community of believers comes together. And they say, hey, what we do now, it matters for eternity. So how does it happen? How does God continue to, to craft us? Well, it's the last part. It's, it's God's strength. It's God's strength. Look at verse 15. It says, all who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. That's the way he ends Titus. Grace be with you all. So the two words that stick out to me here are the word faith and grace. And what these two words are, are works of God. See, it says even our faith comes from God. So that grace would come from God and that faith would come from God and that God is building something much bigger than we can see. See, what's it gonna take so that we are not sidetracked as a church? How are we going to experience more and more the depths of the gospel? What's going to hold the church, our church community together? Well, we're just good people and, you know, we just like to get along and that's just how we are. Eh, nope, <laughs> that's not it. It's God. It is God, not us. See, God must sustain us and lead us to the truth. God must sustain our church and our relationships. God must sustain our witness to the world around us. What this is, is a deep reliance on God's strength, not our own. He's truly the only one who can do it. See, Serving God in his church and being a part of the church family is a miracle that God does in our lives. Because let's be honest, naturally, we don't want to give. We don't want to serve. We don't want to put ourselves out there. Even relationally, it's hard. It's like, you don't understand. I've put myself out there in the past and I've gotten hurt. I understand that. I've been there. But by the grace of God, by the strength of God, you keep moving forward and you keep serving him. And what he does is he brings something together that you could have never thought possible. Roy Hattersley, 
He's a former deputy of the Labour Party in the UK and a public atheist. Here's what he wrote. He wrote a letter about his experience joining Christians from the Salvation Army one evening as he cared for the needy. And here's what he said. He says, the arguments against religion are well known and persuasive. Yet men and women who believe are the people most likely to take risks and make the sacrifices involved in helping others. Good works, John Wesley insisted, are no guarantee of heaven, but they are most likely to be performed by people who believe that heaven exists. The correlation is so clear that it is impossible to doubt that faith and charity go hand in hand. Yet men and women who, like me, cannot accept the mysteries and the miracles do not go out with the Salvation Army at night. What is it that separates people who receive the gospel and who come into faith in Jesus Christ from everybody else? It's not because they're good people or better people. It's because God is good and is in their lives and is changing them. And I'm telling you that from firsthand experience. If there's any fruit in my life, it's because of God, not me. Many times I go in kicking and screaming, saying, God, I don't wanna do that. But God says, I'm doing something much bigger than you can see. And it's gonna be on my strength that you're gonna do it. And so just some quick takeaways. Where can we start? Number one, I'm gonna say this all the time. Start with the gospel. Start with the gospel. Start with the good news of Jesus. Start with what God has done for you. Remember the gospel every day. Rehearse it in your heart. say, well, how do I do that? This morning, as we were going through the basic beliefs class, I, I said, you know, I gotta take you through the bad news before we get to the good news. The bad news is that we are dead in our sin apart from Christ, that none of us can clean up a corpse, that that's what it is apart from Jesus, but that when we place our faith in Christ, he does a miracle in our lives and brings us from death to life, and we believe and what he's done. And Jesus changed it at all. And so it's the best news ever. It's, it's the good news that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes on him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's the good news. But I gotta know the bad news. I gotta know how desperate it was. It was a desperate situation where I needed a savior to come in and save me from myself. So we need to rehearse it in our hearts, the message of what God has done. And see, we'll never get away from this message. It's not the ABCs of Christianity that, oh yeah, God loves me, God saved me. It is the A to Z, it is everything about life. Because you will go through your life, you will walk through it and you say, how, did, how could God still love me? That thought I had, that thing I did, how could God still love me? It's because it's based on what Jesus has done for us, not our works for God. So that's the gospel. The other part he, he, he does, he says, start with other believers. As we said before, no one is a one-person show. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote this book called Life Together. And he said, you know what, like separates Christianity and just, it just makes it different. He says, it's Christian community. 
Christian community. He says it's different. And um, he says it's, it's when you love people that you would normally never have loved. That's the truth. He says it brings together natural enemies. The church does it. Only in the church of Jesus Christ does it do that. But here's the thing. At one point, Dietrich Bonhoeffer left Germany and went to England because he thought it'd be a little bit easier for me to go there. I'm a little fed up with the Christian community thing and I just need to go to a place that's a little bit easier. I can think on some theology and work through all that stuff. And you know what happened? In 1933, he got a letter from a man named Karl Barth. Now, Karl Barth had uh, invested in him, taught him the, the soundness of theology and, and what it meant to, to follow Christ, really worked with him and helped him along. And so he gets this letter from Karl, and here's what it says at the end. It says, to Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he says, one simply cannot become weary now. Still less can one go to England. What in the world would you want to do there? You must now leave and go of all these intellectual flourishes and special considerations, however interesting they may be, and think of only one thing, that you are a German, that the house of your church is on fire, that you know enough to be able to help, that you must return to your post by the next ship. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says this, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Bonhoeffer read the letter and eventually went back to Germany and that's where he would die. But he wouldn't have done it unless he had a brother in Christ who would have called him out. See, we all need that. We all need brothers and sisters in Christ. They're gonna help us on the journey because it's hard to die to yourself. And that's what Jesus calls us to. He says, die to yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. Last is devoting yourself. And let our people learn and devote themselves to good works, in verse 14, so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. The apostle Paul was really, really, really focused on these good works and not being unfruitful. He mentions it in verse one, verse eight, and now verse 14 again. He's trying to get this point across. He's saying, you got to lean in. Believers are called to think through the implications of their faith. It will take time and effort. And so here's the thing. My hope is that you are giving thought to all that I'm saying right now in your life. And saying, Am I living with this gospel intentionality? Am I living with this mission mindset of saying, wow, God wants to use me in this world for his purposes? And I just wanna give a warning. Some of you are getting exhausted just thinking about doing good works. Like, oh no, I don't wanna have to do that. I do enough stuff. 
And the way, we, the way we think about it is this. We don't think about it in just like the everyday rhythms of life. We think, I just got to pile on more on my plate and that it all hinges on me. That's not what we're talking about. Here's the thing. At the end of the day, it doesn't hinge upon us. It hinges upon Jesus and trusting Jesus. And in, in the book of Galatians, it talks about Galatians 5 and, and, and 6. It just talks about the Holy Spirit of God in your life. And how it's walking and keeping in step with, with the Spirit. Keeping in step is just like an everyday thing. We look at the mission of God like from Matthew 28. He says, go into the world and tell people about me is what he's saying. But you know that word go? It says, as you go. That's what it is, as you go. As you go out into the world, as you go out into life, you can take the message of Jesus with you wherever you go. You can be good news for somebody wherever you go. That simple good news could be just somebody, you open the door for him. And, I, and I've seen it happen multiple times. My son, he is known at Starbucks as the kid who opens the door for people. He just is. Eight-year-old kid. Right, but he could, he could be good news to somebody in that day. And it just opens people up and saying, oh, wow, these people care. Tim Chaddock says this, he says, though not everyone is called to do everything, everyone is called to do something. So to devote yourselves to do simple works, good, and point to Jesus. I remember one time we were um, taking pizza to an elementary school just for the school lunch. And we're standing there awkwardly as people are walking through the line, you know, like, okay, they're probably thinking, who are these people? But they're like, oh, they brought the pizza. And there was one lady who walked through the line and she says, why are you here? And one person tried to explain, well, you know, we're just trying to do some good in our community. And she says, no, why are you here? And I said, you know, we're here because we believe that God loves us and that God loves you. And we wanna share that love with you in a practical way because of all that he's done for us. And it's just a simple way we could serve. And she looked at me, she says, that is what I need. That's what I need. See, what was Jesus's mission? It wasn't just to be a good person and for us to be good people. He says it in Mark 10, 45. For even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus' mission was to come and give his life for us. When you place your faith in Jesus, you are aligning yourself with the mission of Jesus, the gospel mission. And now, because he saved us, our lives no more are about our mission in life. It's about his. To serve and to point to the one who gave his life as a ransom for us. That's what gospel mission is. That's what he's called us to. And so let's pray. Jesus, I pray that today you speak to our hearts and help us to understand more and more of what you've called us to. This isn't a life about us. This is a life all about you. You're a good God who loves us and cares for us deeply. 
And we just pray, Lord, that you'll help us in every way. Um, pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.